Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global industry trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or at, by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host today is Carol Tallon and myself, Brian Fox. And we are joined by PJ Appleton, Global Head of Communications at Equium. Thank you so much for being with us. So Great to be here. PJ, this morning you were over at an event that I was involved in, Placetech, mm-hmm. um, yep. one of our, our respected UK brands and, and publishers. Um, hosted an event talking about technology and we've previously spoken to one of your colleagues, Adam, mm-hmm. um, about the uh, about the work that Equium is doing. Um, so look, you might just give our listeners a brief reminder about what Equium does. Sure, yeah, no, and uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me again. Um, so yeah, Equium, we're the world's leading tenant experience tech provider and uh, our platform's de- uh, deployed across some um, 60 million square feet of prime commercial space uh, around the world. So we were founded in Australia. Uh, we're also rolled out in the USA and UK, where we launched in 2017. And uh, now uh, we've been here in Ireland for about uh, a year, uh, where we've got three sites. And effectively, our tech uh, helps uh, landlords to attract and retain tenants. Um, that's that's really what we're all about. Uh, really, by providing a sort of vibrant, exciting, and connected workspace for them to enjoy. And it does that kind of uh, in two ways. Number one uh, is we are able to sort of supercharge everything that a landlord is able to. Uh, to provide their their tenants, so uh, whether it's uh, sort of events, experiences, amenities, services, all all of that sort of stuff, we also provide uh, a sort of hub through which landlords can give their tenants of seamless communication. So letting them know all all the sorts of things that are happening on site, uh, on a campus, across their building. So it acts as a sort of communication hub as well. And then also it helps uh, uh, landlords as well unlock additional asset value. Uh, so whether it be uh, being able to um, monetize uh, certain facilities, whether it's uh, lockers or bike racks, um, you name it, uh, so that adds another element. And then the second thing it does uh, really is, and this is something we're really excited about and that we've launched a little bit, uh, well, sort of relaunched earlier this year, um, is our, uh, our analytics uh, sort of uh, feature, which runs uh, over the top of the platform and really sort of records everything that tenants are doing on the platform uh, with their with their permission, of course. <laughs> um, and what, what that does is it provides landlords with really sort of vital data, really about how their tenants are interacting with, with, with their building. And what we're able to do is sort of present landlords with really easy to understand dashboards that show them, look, this is when your tenants are uh, buying this product from, from your retailer. This is when they're going along to that yoga class. This is when they're uh, doing whatever it might be. And that just enables landlords to, to, to really, uh, I guess, make some smarter, more effective asset management decisions. Yeah. Um, and, and those are really the two elements of data can, and, and, can and you the give us some? Can you give us some examples around, or, or re, maybe some specifics around that? Because um, I presume when you're taking that amount of data, you have to really understand how to use it. Mm. So are you, are you applying some element of artificial intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and we're, we're, we're acutely aware that actually as, as soon as you mentioned the word artificial intelligence or data to, to commercial landlords, it's a, it's a bit of a turn off for them. So, well, I think um, that's changing. It is changing. You're, you're right. A, you're right. You know, I, I think that last year and the year before, data was seen as a as a burden. It was seen as mm. a liability and yeah. something to be feared. And there, there was a huge fear around managing mm. it. But I actually think in 2019 and as we head into 2020, I think there's a huge understanding Understanding that actually there's there's great power in the data if it's used properly and used responsibly and actually um, actioned. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And look, I think 
you know, I, I don't think landlords have ever doubted the potential of, of data right. and, and, and analytics. I think it's more the, the kind of how do you go from just gathering things to really analysing it in, in a meaningful way. And really what our dashboards do is is collect all this information and provide, uh, you know, different sort of, um, yeah, I'd say dashboards that really sort of set out that information in, in an understandable way. So, right, this is when your tenants are uh, are, are all coming into the building. This is uh, the hours at which they're using retail the most, uh, even down to things like, you know, this is the coffee that they're ordering most on site. So actually, you know, you better make sure that you, your stocks of whatever whatever coffee brand, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know are always, it's always in stock. So it's that sort of information. And really, I guess that that does a couple of things. Number one, it helps uh, landlords to really create this tailored sort of um, hospitality experience. And that is obviously so key in the workplace now, you know, particularly with, you know, millennials, I I hate using that word, but we're so used to having everything tailored to us. Mm. Uh, So used to having this kind of consumer approach to to loads of different things. You know, I got an Uber here, you know, I was able to order it. I know exactly when it's coming. Okay, it didn't always turn up on time, but but, (laughs) uh, I have that kind of consumer approach um, with so many different elements. And it's the same with work now. And uh, and so landlords can then sort of tailor everything they're doing in their workplace. So it fits perfectly with the tenants in that building. And then second is they're also making real sort of uh, uh, you know, capital savings, and actually, you know, we've had landlords that say, "Well, look, we want to we want to roll out a you know three three million euro gym uh, in our building. Do you, you know, do you think that'd be a good idea?" And we're saying, "Well, actually, look, based on these dashboards, that you can see that actually no one's really using the existing gym. Everyone's actually going along to yoga classes, or they're going along to that that cycling club. They're, they're doing every they want to do everything in classes. Actually, spending three million euro on a on a gym might not actually be the best." approach for your particular project. So it, it's that sort of stuff. But I think, I mean, data is really exciting for us. As I say, it's, it's a relaunch for us. And we feel that's really where the future of the, the platform is going. Mm. Absolutely. So you, what you're really trying to do is give consumers or tenants, I suppose, better value for, for, for money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As I said, I think it it comes down to the fact that, uh, you know, now I think I think we what we've really seen over the last five years is maybe a sort of a power shift uh, in terms of in terms of commercial real estate dynamics. So, um, you know, in the past, perhaps, I suppose, landlords have been able to provide a, a product. And I think, you know, market factors have kind of really all been in their favour. Mm. So it's been it's been comparatively easy to kind of have tenants come in. Tenants haven't expected a great deal from their workplace, and the burden of responsibility for the end user has really been on on the on the corporate tenant to provide them with you know filter coffee. Or, mm. you know, and is that sh- is that shifting though? Is, is, Absolutely, is, is the demand. Are, are employees demanding more of their work uh, environments? Yeah. I think there's a few factors behind it. I think I think. Obviously, the, the rise of the sort of the, the Fang tech companies, the kind of yeah, Facebooks, the Amazons, yeah, all, yeah, all, yeah, all those yeah. guys, that's really driven the sort of the the, the bar for workplace amenities up, mm. uh, and that in turn obviously filters down. Mm. Uh, I think also what you're seeing is 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 a sort of uh, an issue with talent uh, attraction and retention. So you know certainly in America and increasingly in kind of in the UK and Ireland, one of the biggest problems companies have is attracting top STEM talent, yeah. digital talent. And so actually what that means is they're, they're having to use the workplace almost as another uh, means of kind of, of pulling that talent in. It's no longer enough just to say, right, here's, here's a nice salary, and but, but you're going to work at a terrible building. Actually, you need to provide both. Yeah. And all our research suggests that actually the workplace is, is perhaps even more important than, mm. than salary. So mm. what we're saying is actually... Um, is actually in that that sort of that war for talent that that companies have is now the landlord's war for tenant because if you're not helping a tenant you know attract and retain the best workers actually well that tenant's going to go elsewhere to a building that will help them with that process yeah um, and it, I think those those things are just driving the the, the the sort of the the bar up if you like. 
And, you know, this is a topic actually that we got into in, in quite um, a lot of detail over the last couple of weeks. And we had Anthony Slumbers from the UK over to talk about space mm, as a yeah. service. So it's definitely something that landlords are aware of. It's a trend that they're very much on top of. Um, but what I'm more interested in, uh, because I think that in, in tenant engagement is absolutely one of the key trends for PropTech for 2020. Um, so that's something that I feel is going to continue to grow and and, and landlords, both residential and commercial, will, will see the value of that. But what I'm really interested in, you're the head of global communications. That's right. Yeah. So how have you been, uh, you know, you've, you, the, the, a shift has started, mm-hmm. but you were there before that shift started. So um, from a marketing point of view, you know, what are the likely, what are the types of challenges you've had? Because this is a traditional industry. You've been going in and trying to sell a very contemporary solution to a very um, conservative and traditional industry. So, you know, how how did those early deals come about? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And I think, you know, first off, I think that's the thing I find most exciting about my job is is we're at, we're at a stage where, um, you know, we're, the, the whole industry is changing so quickly. But but you're right. I mean, back in 2011, when when we were founded, you know, comparatively for PropTech, we're, we're, we're quite an old company. We're a very agile company. I want to make that point. We're, we're, we're a comparatively experienced company. Um, and initially, we were born out in response to a problem, which was a, a you know, big landlord in Melbourne, Australia, was struggling to attract and, and retain tenants. They were going elsewhere. And, uh, and really, the owner of that building saw the opportunity for technology to to really supercharge what they could offer through that building. So, in that sense, the buy-in from our first client was, you know, was 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 straightforward enough because that was his idea. And Australia, because it's a slightly sort of tighter market in the sense there are really sort of a handful of REITs that that own most of the buildings there. They saw one company doing this well. Actually, it filtered down quite quickly. The issue is now since expanding to to Ireland, the UK, the USA. Um, it's it's all quite new. Tenant experience technology is is very new, and um, I think probably the challenge, you know, certainly from my side, is 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 to get their buy-in. Is really kind of speaking in a language that people uh, understand. And I think this is an issue that PropTech probably has: is that there are a lot of providers out there who turn up with their technology, and albeit it's fantastic technology, but really they they just expect the landlord to sort of understand straight understand off. it straight away yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. and and to be excited about. It. And I think the issue is you have to start with a a problem or you have to start with a look this is this is something a challenge that we can help you guys solve mm. forget the technology for yeah. a moment this is this these are the sort of results it could it could enact in your business and so i think my my challenge in terms of being someone in comms is not to in some ways shine a spotlight on our technology in as much as it's to sh- sh- shine a spotlight on the challenges the war for tenant the war for talent all that sort of stuff um, and and really talking in terms of okay uh, revenues, talking in terms of rents, talking in terms of leasing, all that sort of stuff, rather than saying so, platforms, yeah. data, AI, solution oriented. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. But yeah. one of the main criticisms, um, and this has been leveled more in the UK than in Ireland because mm. we don't have the same stats here in Ireland. Um, but in the UK, one of the one of the major criticisms that has, has been levied against um, prop tech startups is that they are all. Um, providing or they've all identified problems and they all think their problem is an important one to be solved and yeah. and um to the buying to the buying industry um they will actually say well you know yes it's a problem but actually it's not a very big problem mm. that we have priorities and so there's this disjointed nature and approach to solving maybe problems that um the estate agents and the and the commercial agents are aware of but it's just not a priority and so there there you have the challenge 
to really um, sell in terms of value. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're spot on. And I, I think, you know, you say actually they're, you know, they're providing tech in response to problems. I think sometimes the problems are they're almost trying not to create them I wouldn't go that far but to almost make them seem bigger than they necessarily are but I don't Um, think that's deliberate actually what I've discovered is it's a little bit like um, um, you know it's it's self-affirming when startups are are delving so deep they've identified a problem so they research that problem and the more they research it the larger the problem is Mm -hmm. and then as, as they go and try to find solutions all it does is reinforce this the problem that they've identified so in fact you know Genuinely, I see most of the prop tech startups that I speak to, they all think they're solving the biggest problem. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that's, I guess in some ways that's the excitement and the, the dynamism of this industry. It, it is quite it is quite exciting in that, in, in, in that um, yeah, I think it is exciting in that sense. But I think, I mean, I go back, in terms of us, I go back to the fact that we really were born out of a genuine problem. In Australia. Um, in Australia, yeah. and it really was something that the, the landlord was struggling with. So we know it, it wasn't just the kind of, you know, tech fad or anything like yeah. that. And I mm. think I think the other thing is, um, hey, look, it's taking me 10 minutes before I mentioned WeWork. But, um, <laughs> but oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was going to happen, wasn't it? Um, but I think, uh, you know, WeWork, okay, that you know, it's clear what what the problems have been in, in the last over the last you know year. But um, you know that their their whole mantra was elevating the world's consciousness. And actually, I have to give them credit. I, I think they have they have done that because actually they've shown the power of a, a brand, the power of provide of turning sort of property from being very much mm. a kind of uh, product to to a service. And actually, that that is because culture oh. and workplace dynamics Has, are changing. Yeah. They yeah, haven't yeah. made that problem. Mm. It's just it's just something that's happening. And we we yeah. are sort of one part of that as well because we're saying to traditional landlords you don't need to go to a WeWork you can you can do it through technology yourselves yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't want to see um, the WeWork brand completely diminished no, by all that's yeah. happened because I, I, I don't think we can we can discard the achievements and in fact anybody involved you're in um, communications mm-hmm, like I mm-hmm. am we can't help but admire actually the the brand that was built out of out of being a brand, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, to be able to to you know trade work or trademark the word like we, Hoover, yes, yeah. No, but well, we work are, do, are doing oh, no, I, what yep, um, yep. what Regis and other places. So even what they were doing mm. um, wasn't new. Mm. So it was how it was all about um, the the service delivery, and it was exactly that turning that space into a service. You know, and and. The customer experience then was elevated, and I and I do think it was, you know, it was maybe a pivotal moment um, in time as well that people were ready for something new. Mm, mm. But I I, I don't I, I would hate to see look whatever happens we work their legacy I think will need to stand. They did create this change in the market. They did achieve this. Um, so irrespective of what happens next, I think that we we need to acknowledge the unbelievable work I, I mean was it one of the first was it one of the first companies to really brand in real estate like properly brand and I know traditional estate agents would disagree with me and maintain that they've been doing this for generations I don't believe that at yeah, all yeah, um, I think yeah. that this was the first real big um, property brand yeah I mean look you know when we asked people you know we, we had, Adam gave a presentation I, I had a BD a, a month ago in Dublin he was saying look how many how many genuine brands can you name in commercial real estate 
you know, like them or, or, or hate them, you've got to say, well, we work really have gone yeah. to a sort of place that nobody else has gone okay. to. And uh, and they've done that really, yeah, as I say, through really kind of going right to the consumer, to the end user of space. And so that trend is not going to go away just because we work has no. had its problems. No. And um, it's, 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 a, it's an area that's, that's changing anyway mm. and ripe for change. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and I think I think it's it, it's just indicative of of wider socio-demographic trends. It's not, you know, it's not just down to the fact that Adam Newman had a, had a sort of a new idea. It's not yeah. a new idea. It's just the fact that actually culture is now changing mm. to the point that mm. people really do want to consume yeah. workspace, not just mm. be in workspace. So, yeah. And so what do you think is next? What are we going to see? What are your likely trends for PropTech over the next 12 months? Gosh, yeah, it's a absolutely huge question. I mean, I think, to be honest, we have been encouraged, I think, to see growing adoption of kind of prop tech solutions, particularly over the last, I think, particularly over the last 12 months, actually. And, you know, the the, the event that we were at this morning, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was interesting at the start, uh, the moderator talking about uh, the fact that we are really going from just talking about prop tech to actually there being case studies and, and examples of real ROI for people. And I think that's that's exciting. That shows kind of, you know, progression. And we've moved kind of past the early adopters to, to more kind of widespread adoption of the likes of, you know, in our space, tenant experience technology, you know, it's not unusual for people to, to, to have that now. It's really, you know, we, we're getting loads of requests for kind of to come in and pitch alongside, you know, lots of other providers. So it really is a kind of maturing space. Um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of in, in terms of our space, I think, as I say, it will become more and more common for people to have some form of kind of tenant uh, tech. We do everything on mobiles now. Um, I think that's how people expect to consume information about their workplace. It's how they expect to access facilities and services. And so I think that will, you know, that will continue and we're hopeful of that. Um, but I think the challenges are still are still pretty sizable that we are still moving from this product to service um, sort of area and that will take a bit of time but we're, we're extremely excited we're extremely positive and we're you know really excited for what, what, what could happen in Ireland for us as well Okay, thank you so much. Um, PJ, thank you for being with us. That was PJ Appleton, Global Head of Communications at Equium. Stay tuned um, and for part two, as we'll be speaking to Eddie O'Dr- You're very welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Carol Tallon and myself, Brian Fox. In the studio now with us is Eddie O'Driscoll of Auctioneer. That's right. Eddie, nice to see you back again. Thanks very much. So, um, how how have things since we last talked to yeah, you? Yeah, we've had a, 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 a busy year. Great. I think the last time we spoke to you guys, I think we had... Probably mid-summer, we, was it? Yeah, and I think we were excited at the time that we had um, about €4 million euro of um, sales agreed or sold, and it seemed like a lot of times so we've gone over €35 million now, 120, I think, six properties sold or sale agreed. Um, and we calculate when you apply the traditional 1.5% to state mm. agency fee, that we, we, we reckon we've returned or saved our vendors in the region of 550 Just to remind 000. listeners, you are Fantastic. nationwide, aren't you? Uh, well, Cork and Dublin. Dublin. We right. will be soon. We're, so tell us, what's the contrast like now between the two regions, Cork and... and uh, yeah, great question. I, I mean, I suppose um, we're flying it in Dublin. I guess we're a bit more established in, in Dublin. Um, so I think that when people are selling a property, obviously it's a huge decision. So we thought initially that we'd come to the Dublin market and say, hey guys, you know, so we charge um, a fixed fee of 1500 plus VAT and, you know, it's it's miles cheaper than everybody else. So we thought we'd just, you know, 
take 100% market share in the first month. But I think when you're new coming to the market, and it's such a big decision. It's like, okay, they're a bit new. We're not sure. Is it, This seems too good mm, to be true. There must yeah. be a catch. Mm. So our biggest problem was there must be a catch. So what we found in Dublin now is people have seen our for sale signs around the place. You know, we've got the big for sale signs with the website address on there. They're on our website. Um, so does the word of mouth. So the it's too good to be true catch thing. So that's gone in Dublin. What our agents are telling us when they go out and meet people, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where so you're more or less established now in the Dublin Yeah, market. so it's, I mean, initially when we went down, it was, you know, who are you guys? Never mm. heard of you. Mm. You know, seems interesting, but, mm. you know, not sure. But no, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like sometimes answering the phone in the office and you're um, arranging for the agents to go out and it's like, will he be bringing a photographer? Right. <laughs> you know, and we're yeah. saying, well, hold on, we have to meet you. And this guy, it's like, yeah, yeah we're going with you guys. Um, so then, when we, likewise, when we um, hired our agent in Cork, and I'm Cork man myself, and I said, you know, this will be great. And we'll, t- similar sort of dynamic, you know, okay, this works in Dublin, but will it work in Cork? But so, but. It's it's when people see it with their own eyes. So we listed a, a property in Wilton just this this week, um, which is really great for me because I I know the the area so well, um, and we listed a property and we had the first viewing yesterday. We had thirteen people out at the viewing. Uh, somebody offered. They said they really wanted a property. Offered twenty thousand euro over the guide price. Um, and was so, the guide price on no, the, guide, the guide price was legit yeah yeah no so we're definitely it's something we've discussed um, I'll, I'll come back to the guide price because it's a good mm-hmm. point on the guide prices um, but so no the, the guide prices all of our guide prices we and, and this isn't um, just spin our guide price is what we think the property is worth based on the research and I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute but um, in Wilton, we thought it was a reasonable guide price. You know, what, it's not distressed or any matter. I mean, not at all. Um, but somebody came in, uh, offered 20000 over the guide, which, look, isn't normal. <laughs> uh, so we put a deadline for offers. That's something that um, it worked really, really well for us. So you can go on to our, anybody who's listening live now. I'd encourage them to go on to auctioneer.ie, click on properties for sale. The top property there. Um, will be closing in an hour's time. So you can see the, the deadline counting. You can see all the other properties with the deadlines counting down. It's brilliant. That, you know, we've had some really dramatic closes over the last year, you know. So is um, it the equivalent of eBay sniping? Yeah, yeah, People yeah, popping yeah, in at the last minute. Yeah, exactly. But we've, we've dealt with that. I mean, look, the first few deadlines that we had, you can imagine we were watching them terrified, you know, would the technology hold up? Because um, so. In terms of the sniping, look, inevitably people will keep their cards close to their chest until the last minute. So um, what we do on that is if you make an offer um, within two minutes of the close, we'll add another two minutes. So there's no, thankfully, and, and touch wood long may to continue, nobody's internet has dropped or anything like that. So um, so basically we've had some really ferocious, I mean, we've gone in. To, to closes um, and you know within 20 minutes you're 50 grand worth of, of bidding because people are they're forced to show their hand at that point mm. you, know, you can sit in the long grass for a while but this thing is closing at 8 o'clock guys you better get your, your, your offer yeah. in here I, I actually love that use of the technology because Prior to using technology, the the, mm. the equivalent would have been uh, properties going to best and best final and offers, final, yeah. and I, I, you know that's fine in the commercial space or for mm. development uh, land. But I think it's really unfair for first time buyers totally, or for home yeah, no. home buyers it's, 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 going in because they're just they're just it, absolutely they're going equipped. blind. Yeah, and it's yeah. not fair. Yeah. I mean, it's not no, fair. it's, it's not. Such a, 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 so I mean, our thing is that look, it's all up on it's all yeah. up online, completely transparent, a hundred percent transparent. And you know, mm-hmm. if we don't have an offer on a property. 
it's up on our website. No offers. You know, yeah. we're not going to bluff. It's oh, there's a lot of interest. You know, if there's no offers, no. I mean, we're we're doing our best for our vendor. We'll put all of and the best uh, attributes of the property across. But if there's yeah. no offers, there's no offers. If there are offers, and they're and shown on the website. It's all up on the website. It's all transparent. And look, um, you know, one of the things that we refuted, um straight off the bat is that we we get paid by the vendor and we only represent the vendor and, and some estate agents to screw the buyers on, on the contrary you know the, the, the buyers are the people who, who buy the property so we think we've as much a responsibility to our buyers as we we get paid obviously by our vendors but if the buyer I think you it was mentioned at the um, conference today that if the buyers enjoy the platform and if they have trust in it and if they um, find it easy to use then they're going to make their genuine highest bid whereas if, if the buyers felt that you know I'm I'm being ghost-bitted here. I'm being bluffed. They're going. I'm, I'm going to pull out of this. So yeah. by making a really great experience for the buyers, we think we actually ultimately end up serving our vendors, and we've had great yeah. feedback from both sides. There's yeah. there's kind of two points mixed in there, though. Um, sorry, Ren. No, no, uh, there's no, no, two no. points yeah. mixed in there. Like first of all, I let's take the latter point first. I think it's good that you're you're concerned about user experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's gone far beyond customer experiences. It's absolutely mm. about user experience. Totally. However, I have long felt that estate agents in Ireland need to be very clear that yes they work for the vendors um, uh, they're paid by the vendors they work for the vendors well, and they represent the interest of the they're vendors paid by, they're paid by the vendors with the buyer's money though. <laughs> you, you know in, in that with no buyer there's no vendors in, in that like for, for example no, no I think there needs to be greater clarity around yeah. this and in fact actually I think that this is one of the reasons why there has been um, historically distrust in the industry it's because that, um, you know, one of the things that I've spoken about before is that, you know, sometimes I feel that the estate agents in Ireland are forced to wear too many hats, you know, Mm. so they befriend the buyer when they come in, you know, when they're in sales and marketing mode and get the buyer into Mm. the the property. And um, at that stage, there's almost a bit of a relationship built up and Mm. then they get into negotiations. And that's generally where, and I've heard it from buyers myself, that's generally where buyers feel the change Mm, mm. and then they feel almost duped whereas if Mm. from the start people are very clear Mm. about the relationship um, the reality is that estate agents in Ireland traditionally are paid by the vendor to get the best price absolutely and I think we need to be really clear about that and then let technology but I do want to jump in and not to the abdication of so I don't no not to the abdication but let's be clear on who's paying you but not that you can go out and bluff and you know fake bid and so on so you get the best price in the context of the parameters that you need yeah. to be honest and above board and transparent and so in terms of in yeah. vertical but getting let, the best price you sell the property but you, I, I think that some agents take that too far it's like I'm representing the vendor yeah. and be damned with the buyers we would refute no. that so well look that's, that's just going too far no, with it that, yeah. and that's creating a poor user experience exactly everybody, so, I, I mean the best transactions for us where everybody wins is competitive uh, competitive bidding the, the vendor gets uh, a market price they've saved several thousand euro on the transaction the buyer feels they've won a, a fair and compi- competitive open bidding process and everybody walks away e- even the underbidders say okay I, I didn't get the property but the, the last thing you want is to feel that the process has been contaminated you know I, I won the, the bidding but did, did, that, did that underbidder even exist or you know so yeah. I, I think that you and, have and actually, a responsibility to both sides I, I um, look I, I think that's a really great point about the underbidders I think that's mm. one of the things that um, online transparent bidding mm. really helps totally. uh, the underbidders 
don't feel shafted. Absolutely. Because they've, they've seen they've seen it play out. They understand and the opportunity the, is there if they're able to partake. The, the best man won for the, yeah, the, no, no, you know, that, but that's, the highest bidder. And that, that's as it should be, you know. You know, um, it, it, that expression, the best the best yeah, man won. It's probably n- the best person won. No, no, but I mean, no, but I, I think that's actually really true in this particular scenario because um, in the past when there wasn't that transparency around mm, bidding, mm. people didn't believe that. Was there an underbidder you know, at all? And this is what I'm saying is that I, I think that by people actually believe, I think we actually get the highest bids out of people because let's suppose I was in a, a, a bidding, a traditional bidding process and, and I put in a bid for 300 and then I get a phone call back from the agent and said, Eddie, we're going to 305 here. Mm. Immediately I'm thinking we're not going to 305, there's no chance being bluffed. You know, whereas if I can see, so so I'm, I might actually be willing to go to 310, but I might pull out because I feel, you know yeah. what, this guy's screwing me here. That absolutely happens. Whereas yeah. what I'm thinking is if the 305 is legit, I'll yeah. go to 310. So I mm-hmm. actually think that by by putting the offers online and everybody trusting and believing in the process, we get the best price for the property. And while we're at it, we save you thousands of euro because we're yeah. way cheaper than everybody else. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm completely sold on the online bidding platforms. I think mm. that's absolutely the only way to bid and mm. it's the only way to make mm. offers. I, I agree why with that. Do you, why completely. do you think some of the agents are so reluctant to, I mean, I still think that, I mean, there's only a handful of, if even that of us, in, I mean, there's still a lot of... Using online bidding systems? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, I can tell you exactly what it is because I've spoken to agents and asked them why they aren't using yeah. it. And um, one of the reasons I, I hear most frequently... I know, you're is undermining the property. No, um, from rural agents, I hear um, only if we have the right property because they feel that it's if they have a, a rural out, property... I think it's completely yeah, a cop-out. Only the right property. Just yeah, so, so what they mean... Yeah, what they mean is that, um, you know, they have a property sitting on their books particularly um, in rural areas uh, that an estate agent might have property sitting on their books mm. for um, uh, four months five months six mm. months and they're worried that if it sits on the online bidding platform with no bids that, oh, that drives yeah, down the yeah, price okay. and I yeah. I think that's a bit of a cop out yeah. actually because I think that they're they're not they don't they don't know what the demand is going to be no. and also I think they completely well, underestimate their buyers doesn't mm. it then and you might come in on this if, if there's a property that's sitting there in mm. any sort of rural or, 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 or you don't even need to go to, to I mean look we, we'll have vendors who you know and I think it's good to go back to the to, to the guide price because why is it it's sitting as a homeless crisis yeah. why, why is the property sitting on so in terms of I, I think that a lot of the time that the reason that a property is sitting there is because it's it's overpriced and why is it overpriced is because you know four or five agents go out and the vendor picks the agent who tells them that it's worth the most so there's a bit of disingenuity oh, yeah. in terms of saying look yeah. I rec- the, the agent thinks it's probably worth 450 and says look I think we'll get you 500 and sure he's in now he's got the listing he throws up a 500 and then he's trying to roll back from there so so I think it's a very short sighted strategy fear, 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 uh, it's, a, it's an awful shot so we've had um, it's way lots to stimulate <laughs> in an attempt to stimulate well you see what they'll do is as you say it's short sighted but then they'll end up falling out with the with their vendor ultimately because it's a case of you know well you said it's worth 500 now you're telling me you drop it to 450 so what we do again in terms of um uh, in terms of our processes so when our agents go out in advance of the meeting we'll have emailed on all of our market research and um, so basically we'll have taken all of the comparables off the property price register all of the the um, comparables in terms of uh, ask guide price asking prices off at daft in my home put them on a report send it on and the agent will talk it through and by the end of that conversation 
the vendor w- nine times out of ten will have a fair idea what their property is yeah, worth. It, yeah, we yeah, we actually yeah. find the the guy price through consensus. You know, we're not going out telling the the um, we're not you know tapping the walls and and, and telling the the vendor what the property is worth. We're showing them this is the research we've done. This is the process we've gone through, and based on that, now obviously it, it, it's art, not science. We we think our advice market value is from this to that, and I think the the vendor then is comfortable. Okay, look, I, I'm, I'm, they can be surprised on the upside they can be surprised on the downside I think where properties end up sitting on the market too long is that agents go out and bluff to get the business and it's in no one's interest mm. and it just sits but is, is there is a lot of suspicion do you think between the buyer and the vendor in, in, in both circumstances or, or what do you think between the buyer and, and the, the vendor, vendor um, in terms of suspicion I don't suspicion think. in relation to you know uh, manipulating the, the well I suppose the, the, their 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 goals are polar opposites obviously the course, buyers yeah. trying to get the, yeah, the, yeah. the lowest price possible and the vendors trying to get the highest price yeah. possible um, so I, I don't know if there's suspicion I mean look ultimately um, is, there, is there a lack of trust in other words not on our system yeah. <laughs> because well, we put it that's pretty transparent I mean, doesn't it see, what, what we yeah. do is we, we just break down all yeah. in that in that you, there, there's no lack of trust because everything's been ha- happening out in the open, transparently. Everybody can see what's mm, happening. Mm. So, we, and we, what's, what's we, reaction like then from buyers to that to 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 the uh, to your? Well, we we find that every everybody loves. It. I mean, when, when I answer the phones in the office, it, it, and I'm surprised because we've been doing this quite a while now, and they go. So we have to train all. When the phone rings with us, typically they've come through Daft or my home. That's where they've found, okay. found our property. So we have to say, um, the question we get through the office all the time, are there any offers on the property? And we're like, God, you, you still don't know they're on our website. So we have to keep <laughs> hammering that home. Go to the website, go to, yeah. which is um, auctioneer.ie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nicely done, nicely yeah. done. Um, no, look, I, I think that's, that's great. But... Um, your company is relatively new mm. so it's good that you're experiencing growth mm. but uh, particularly in the Dublin market mm. but are you noticing a slowdown in terms uh, of housing? Yeah. Um, in terms of pricing yes uh, but look I was expecting that for a long time um, I think it's healthy I think it's good um, I think the I mean the, the head of um, one of the largest banks was out recently saying that you know, maybe should we relook at the uh, macro prudential rooms, rules in terms of three and a half times salary? I think absolutely not. I think that is keeping a handbrake on mm-hmm. prices. I mm-hmm. think that that's, I mean, th- there's a number of factors playing into it. I mean, you've the, the macro prudential rules three and a half times. So if you take it, pe- people can't pay more than they can borrow. And, and that's what caused all the problems last time around. People were borrowing four and five and six times their, their salaries. It's capped at three and a half times. And if you take the average industrial wage, 39,000, if you double it for a couple, around the 80,000, three, three and a half times the 80,000 brings you to lay twos and you put a deposit on top of that, you're in threes sort of territory. Um, so, which is in excess which of the is, national average house price. Well, no, the, the okay, not you're correct. Yes, uh, in Dublin it's three sixty, but but that's fair enough. So the the average. So I was um, talking on, on Twitter about this during the week. I was saying, should we expect? Just on kind of uh, back of backpack economics, should we expect the average um, price of a house in Ireland um, to trend towards? three and a half times the average industrial wage. Take the average salary, multiply it by where you're capped up. And it's not as simple as that because um, house buyers tend to earn more than the, uh, on average, tend to earn, I don't want to get too, too technically, but I suppose my point is, is that 
that handbrake, that buffer was always going to kick in and I think it has kicked in now and on top of that you've got increased supply which is great we're up at 20 I was looking at the, the, the graphs over the last 10 years we got down to you know five, six, seven thousand uh, houses a year we're back up to 20,000 so t- we turning over yeah we don't want to go up to 90,000 again mm. but I think 20,000 is, is mm. so we've got more supply we've got macro prudential rules keeping a, a bid uh, keeping a, a limit on it there's more cho- choice for buyers and I think any vendor with a, a realistic guide price will sell his property we'll have to stop it there yeah. that was Elliot Driscoll uh, Director of Auctioneera and thanks for joining us today you can get in touch with the show by emailing hello at ipropertyradio.com or on Twitter at ipropertyradio Okay, that's it from us in studio today. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us here in studio. Also, thanks to producer Katie Tallon. Uh, We're back the same time next week. So from um, myself and Brian Fox, thank you so much. 